Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever looked at your life and you've thought to yourself, how the hell did I get here? Well, my name is Bruce Maxson, and I am the new host of the show, Fails, Falls, and F-Ups. And my current big F-Up is I agreed to this. So here I am on air with Ruben J, a man who has claimed that he can get my voice out to the world. And you know what? I'm hoping my voice is getting right to you, letting you know that this is one of my F-Ups. Oh, God. Let's get to it. Let's go. You've tuned in to On Air with Ruben J, your home for entertainment news and deep dive conversation. Here's your host, Ruben J. Bruce Naxon joins me here. He is, uh, he, he's got a lot going on. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Bruce, how you doing, man? I have issues, Jay. I, Jay, I'm looking at Jay's red. It's like, I have so much issues that I'm just going to call you by your last name. Just call me Naxon. This is how we're going to start this off. Hey, you know, Ruben, how you doing? I, I'm doing, I was doing good until you called me Jay, but, uh, you know, complete side note here. You don't need to know this, but every single publicist I've ever dealt with in my life has always responded to my emails. I will sign off Ruben Jay and they'll respond with, Hey Jay, thanks for reaching out. I'm like, my name's not Jay. Uh, <laughs> It's Ruben. Maybe I should just become Jay Ruben. It might be easier. Uh, then people will actually call you Ruben. Yes. So. Yes. And my, my life will be fulfilled. Um, <laughs> let's let's jump into this, man, because I'm really interested. I was listening to a little bit of, of the podcast that you, that you do called The Fittest Fat Kid You Know. Um, yes. And, and the, I would be. The title is so intriguing to me because um, it, it's, it's contradictory in nature. Um, you don't look fat. Uh, if that's uh, <laughs> okay, I mean we're a little bit dark at the moment okay. because it's a little. So um, I've been. So let's get into me being fat a little bit because I don't talk about that enough on my own show. And let's have my chair not cooperate so that your viewers can be just enthralled by me just trying to get close to my desk. It's hilarious. I love it. So, and now I'm a little too close. So all of my life, I've gone up and down in my weight. At 11 years old, I weighed 280 pounds. And Damn. because of that, the behind the machinery that is this magnificent body, and I think you might have just dropped off. No, I'm still here. Some, oh, yeah, it did a weird shift. But that's behind the magnificent machinery that is this body and is intriguing your listeners and viewers as we speak. Behind these eyes, there's an 11-year-old fat kid and it's always going to be an 11 year old fat kid. So I'm always going to view the world that way, but I've gone up and down in my weight my entire life. And for a lot of it, I've been in good shape. I've done CrossFit. I've done martial arts. I've done all these various things around 2014. I began gaining weight by the time I got into the middle of 2015, I weighed 270 pounds, something I never thought I would do again. 
And then I went on my first fitness journey and I did it the same way. I decided to take stunt classes, learn how to <laughs> fake fight because of the films I was doing. Because if there's one thing I can't stand in action movies is really bad cuts between stunt performers and actual performers, I would like to do as much of my own stunts if I ever have them as humanly possible. So I went to stunt class and then I began working out at a celebrity gym, even though I wasn't a celebrity, my weight got down by 2018 to 180 pounds. And I was in like really good shape and I could work out a lot like a beast. We're talking six days a week, three hours a day, plus 10 miles of walking, fasting, doing keto. It didn't really matter. I could do it all, which is insane because nobody can do that and nobody should do that. Lesson there, don't do what I did. Something's genetically wrong. Then the pandemic hit and there was um, a family situation that was incredibly stressful that I can't really talk about because knives would come out. But after that, it was followed by a health situation where my body became allergic to something and I didn't know in for a year. I was covered in hives and itchy 24-7. Oh, my God. And th that broke me. And I went from about 190 pounds at that point to back up to about 260. And that's where the podcast came from. Because I needed something to latch on to hold myself accountable. And I didn't document the first journey where everyone was like, oh, dude, you should have totally filmed it. It's like, I don't want to film my fat ass. I don't want to do that. God, I have to look at that. That's terrible. I don't want to see that. So the fittest fat kid was an attempt to do that. And I've got, I've got like a, uh, I got like a, I have friends who are supportive. Uh, one of my buddies is this wonderful singer named Scott Tyler, who's this, he's got this loificent voice. He sings these soulful, modern, yet R&B-soaked songs that are just amazing. Best falsetto I ever heard. This bastard is teaching me how to box. And he is a beast, and he is mean, and he is cruel. Hi, Scott. And <laughs> somehow this romantic musician gnaws on raw meat and tries to kill people on Saturday afternoons. My, my buddy... And he was a guy I was working out with prior to the pandemic or whatnot. I've got another buddy who's a former Marine. His name's Tony Lugo. He is a filmmaker. Uh, he's doing several projects. Uh, very proud of Tony. He has great, great urban artwork. And Tony also will come out and train with me. And they'll, and they'll be there to try to help me. But much like other people have alcoholism, I have food. And I've come to realize that. So that's the journey. Have I used enough words? I will talk until like you just fall asleep. <laughs> no, I, I love it. It makes my job much easier. Now, you, you, you touch on something that's really interesting to me because I don't think people look at <clears throat> people who, I, I don't even know what, if there's a technical term for it, but like yourself who, you know, food is, is a problem for you. you. You just admitted that right now, you know, and I don't think they equate that to the same level of someone who's an alcoholic or an addict of some sort where if there's food in front of you, sometimes you just eat it, you know? And, and that's, yeah. you know, luckily I'm a big guy too. You know, I'm, I'm 275 right now, 260 right now, you know, but I don't suffer with that ability where if there's food in front of me or I just keep eating or whatever, uh, is part of your podcast journey hoping 
to get people to realize that sometimes people suffer from different types of addiction as well? Or is it just documenting your journey? Because I'm really curious about that. No, it it started from the idea of holding me accountable. But very early on, like, and I don't know, like, considering the amount I could just easily talk about myself, I didn't think it'd be interesting to just have a podcast built around, hi, I'm an unknown, not yet celebrity. I'm going to spend so much time talking about myself that your ears are going to bleed, even though, generally speaking, because of my microphone, my voice is quite pleasant. Uh, after I pretty much dropped the whole I'm checking in each week to try to focus on various things, depending on who I'm talking to. So, for example, in the past couple weeks, I spoke to a guy who is got popular on TikTok named Bill Pickernell. He goes by the handle Native Saiyan. And Bill got to 675 pounds. Oh my God. And Bill is working his way back down. At the time of the recording of my podcast, which was released a few weeks ago, he weighed about 435 and he, that meant he lost, over the course of two years, he lost 135 pounds. That is an impressive amount of weight loss, even for somebody that size. But he did it by working out. He did it by dieting. He didn't have help. It wasn't some reality show thing for him. With double sciatica, with a foot with nerve damage, he began moving as much as he could each day and ramping it up and ramping it up. The last time we texted, which was a few days ago, he's now walking between 7,000 to 10,000 steps per day, wow. plus doing whatever physically he can. Again, double sciatica. And if you've not had sciatica, which thankfully I haven't, but my mother did, it's crippling. It can be crippling. Nerve damage in his foot. He, I think he almost broke his foot recently. And he persists. So I, I interviewed him last week. I interviewed a guy named Dexter Fletcher. Dexter is going to, in the next two months, retire from Miami-Dade SWAT team. He's a police officer. Wow. He literally deals with life or death situations in a way that is real life or death, not the way like, oh my God, it's life or death. If I don't choose whether it's Fritos or Cheetos, I just don't know what I'm going to do. No. That is an Dexter, important decision, though. It is. It very much is. And of course, the answer is always Cool Ranch, depending on who you talk to. And if it's not, they're wrong. We're, we're But I'm digressing from <laughs> Dexter. When Dexter makes a life or death decision, it's a hostage situation and somebody might die. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that. And not only that, but Dexter was an African, uh, is a African-American black police officer. And of course, the, ostensibly we're talking about fitness and training and psychological stuff, but how do you not ask about the divide between the Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, and how do you actually square that circle, especially in a conversation that's almost built from the ground up to stop conversation? So we talked about that. Then um, I had a guy named Peter Lapp, who's a trainer, and he actually helps women postnatal. We didn't get into that, but we talked a lot about fitness and training. Uh, I've talked to a friend of mine about the emergence of food deserts all around the country. So we try, I try to either present a compelling story about somebody else or information that is helpful to you. Personally to you, Ruben. Oh, I, and or, I I love it because I, I feel like I try, I try to do something similar to here just because I like having conversation with people. I like having uh, open and honest conversations with people. I love when someone like yourself will come up here and just say, hey, listen, 
here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I've dealt with in the past. Here's yep. what I can learn from it. You know, um, and I also love dealing with, with people who have fun projects, which we're going to jump into something that I'm personally excited to, to see because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a fan of the subject matter. Um, so probably the rarity that you'll find. Uh, we'll jump into that here in just a second. But let's talk about how you got your start in the business because, you know, um, you and I kind of just met. We're going to tell people we're best friends. But, yeah, of course. you know, we just met today and <laughs> off of an internet email and it took about, you know, two hours for us to schedule this all out. So I don't know much about you. So I would love to know more about, you know, your, your film writing and, you know, you have a couple small short films out. And uh, so I'd love to know more about all that. Well, let's start with the fact that I'm a Pisces. And, um, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> so uh, what happened to me is originally back in the butt crack dawn of my teenage years, I was a musician. I was a bass player in an industrial punk metal, doesn't matter what you want to call it, whatever it was, it was not popular in Philadelphia. <laughs> and that kind of ran its course. And once it ran its course, I'm this heavily creative person. And at the time, this is going to come as probably, possibly, comes as a shock to most people. I was cripplingly shy because I'd been so heavy. Music went away. I lost the one outlet that I had. And even though I had managed to get myself a girlfriend, it didn't change the fact that I was cripplingly shy. It didn't change the fact that I lost my creative outlet. I needed to do something. So I decided to go to the local community college to take a fine woodworking course. Nice. Yes, it would have been had I not been so damn allergic to the very idea of sawdust. So <laughs> that required a little bit of thick, uh, quick thinking, and I switched into the communication track, began taking acting classes, and I was terrible. I really sucked. I did not have a natural acting bone in my body. I did not know what I was doing, and it just was, it was a horror show. But I kept taking the classes because what I was hoping, I was hoping that it would just help me get over my shyness. Just, just let me be in the same room with more than three people and not feel the need to just crawl into a corner and blend into the background. Please, just that. It'd be also really be nice if something happened between me and my girlfriend, I'd be able to talk to another girl at some point. That would be lovely. Could I do that? Eventually that happened. I landed my first play, which was called Zoo Story. And while I don't remember the words to it, the basic premise is these two guys meet in the park and this one guy just hits the other guy with all of the sad horrors of his life before basically baiting the guy into stabbing him to death Jesus. from a uh, first play. And I was playing the guy baiting the other guy from an actual technical standpoint. 90% of zoo story comes out of one person's mouth and there are a lot of words to come out of that person's mouth. So I had to learn all of this stuff. A lot of it was kind of hard to say, um, not from a technical standpoint, just really just painful things that you'd have to admit and try to feel and try to bring to life. And I, and I really wanted to. And then I did it in front of like 400 people for two weekends, twice on Sunday. Well, that helped with the shyness by the time that 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And that had lifted up some of the shyness. And I then proceeded to be in community theater. And I had no idea what I was going to do with myself. But I was now getting into plays. And I was getting some attention for that. And it was fun. And I was getting better. And then I met this one woman. Her name was Anina. And Anina was brilliantly talented. She was beautiful. She was from Finland, which is neither here nor there. But... (laughs) She was just this incredible actress and she's in like the butt crack of rural Pennsylvania for something. And we're in a play together and she's just this amazing person. And I find out that she was in Los Angeles and she didn't, she literally didn't try. It wasn't that it didn't happen for her. It failed. She didn't try at all. And this was her passion, and she didn't try in one of the two places, three places count Chicago, where you can reasonably expect to make, have a shot at making a living doing it. And that made me think, well, I don't really know what I want to do. I, I kind of, I'm enjoying this. I like this, and it gives me an outlet I don't have in, in other ways. Why don't I make a shot at that? So... I moved out to Los Angeles and proceeded to get involved in IT work because that's what you do. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you make a living out here. You get a real job. <laughs> you, you get a real job. And not only did I get a real job, what ended up happening, I ended up in some like small repair shop that was just really good at pushing itself out. And I was their, I was their best technician. They didn't know it. Their clients did. And the guy who ran the place was a bit of a skis, but he thought of himself as a guru mystic while ripping everybody off. It was really strange. But meanwhile, I was going to all of these clients. They loved me. Eventually they would refuse to see other people. He tried to rip me off. That was a bad move because I walked off with at the time about half of his clients. Oh man. And that was like, Hey, and that, that was also another valuable lesson because I was charging them a certain amount of money that I would never have known how to ask for myself, for my services. And then when I left and I was like, okay, well, what do I charge people? Wait a minute. These people are used to paying X amount of dollars per hour for you. They don't care that there's no more sky. They don't care that there's no more shop. They'll continue paying you the amount of money they're used to paying you. <sighs> Oh my God, I'm going to make so much money. 
And that's kind of what happened. But all the responsibility was on me. So acting career didn't start. And I'm challenged when it comes to acting to begin with because I fall between types. It's not clear what to do with me. So I would have, I've always had difficulty getting an agent. I've always had difficulty getting auditions. So in 2011, I had somehow managed to land a manager who did next to nothing for me, but she did ask one thing of me, which was either for me to do stand-up or for me to create a web series. Well, I don't want to do stand-up. Not that I'm afraid of it. It just, the world of stand-up always seemed kind of dark and sad to me. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to, I didn't want to do that. So not knowing what the hell I was doing, I created for myself a small project that was a 10 episode multi-camera web series with a crew of 25, 30 people, a cast of at least 20 plus one day, a bunch of extras and multi-location three week shoot that became a four week shoot. And this was my introduction to film. This was my film school. I actually made the series. It's available on my YouTube page still. That wasn't the first place it is. That's why there's next to no views there. Cause the original place where it was how ho- like hosted is gone, but under the doghouse, that was my very first project. And it was my attempt to define myself as what I saw as my butter roll, which was kind of your hapless, likable guy who doesn't quite win and doesn't know how, but you sort of hope that he does. I I do that well, modestly speaking. (laughs) Well, let's let's fast forward to where you're at now, because like I said, I, I teased a little bit ago. You have a project coming up. Yeah. Really I've excited. got a project coming up. I'm really excited for it. Um, I'm Me a little, too. I'll be honest. I'm a little confused as to sure. if if it's a one episode thing or if it's an actual ongoing project it's here. An, it's so, an ongoing series. And let me ask you, because I know you're excited. Okay. Do you want me to let you say it or should I say it? Uh, I think you should say it. I think I should say it too, because you just said that. Um <laughs> My, so I have my one podcast, which is called The Fittest Fat Kid You Know, and you can watch that on YouTube. And in fact, you should subscribe to me both at Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast, and then immediately go to YouTube and subscribe to my channel and watch everything I have and like me because I'm lonely. But beyond that, in a couple weeks from when we're recording this, but probably past when you're actually watching this, so you can go there right now and see this. I'm I'm launching my new podcast, Fails, Falls, and depending on the caliber of the platform I'm on, Fails, Falls, and F-Ups, or <laughs> I'm going to slip one in, Fails, Falls, and Fuck-Ups. And that's what it's being called. And it's all about talking to su- amazing, successful people about all the times they were amazingly unsuccessful. And my inaugural episode, my kickoff, who I'm going to punt in the nards to get this thing moving is my buddy Mike on my episode, which is entitled Nickelback Sucks with Mike Kroger of Nickelback. And, and listen, I, I'm going to just say this right now. I actually love Nickelback. I, I think they're incredible. And, but I, I also love the hate that they get. So I'm very excited for this. 
the funny thing, the amazing thing about it is straight up, they are nice, honorable, good guys. I've in I've talked Mike appeared on the fittest fat kid. I think it's episode five or six where we talk about his fitness and whatnot, because I met him at my gym. And what happened is I had the owner of the gym, a guy named Eric Fleischman, Eric, the trainer had seen my short film, dark specter too. And so when he would introduce me to people, he would be like, Oh, and you've got to watch Bruce's dark specter too. You have to watch this. Well, Mike is a dark comedy fan. Monty Python, like, is is one of his big things. He loved Dark Spectre. He loved it. He just absolutely loved my Dark Spectre. And so we connected. Second or third time that I had met him, I actually came up to him. I was like, hey, Mike, I want to ask you a question. I was like, I don't quite know how to phrase this. Like, uh, when did we start sucking? That's the question. That's what I want to know. So we, we've had this discussion before. So after, when I knew I was going to do this, I immediately was texting him. I was like, will you do this? He was like, you know I will. And so that's what it is. So we have an open, very direct, honest discussion about why Nickelback sucks and how they started sucking. And exactly when we can pinpoint the start of that sucking and the ramifications. And then we go into how it's affected his family, how it's affected his career, all of these things. And he's very open and direct and honest because, well, first off, that's just who he is. And, you know, very eloquent, very funny, very honest. And, uh, you know, gives as good as he gets. I'm very happy. I'm honored that he would do this with me and I'm honored that I basically is sort of like, Hey, whenever you want me back, you just, you just come. So there'll be more Mike as the time goes on. Cause I want to actually get into what the show is really supposed to be about, which is I'm fascinated by failure. I think most people, I, most of the people I know who have never done anything have not done it because they're afraid to fail. They're just not, they, yeah. they don't want to try because when you don't, when you don't try the potential exists out there or you don't have to face the fact of whether you could or you couldn't. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So with, with that, that podcast concept, do you, what other guests do you think that you might either be interested in talking to or are planning on talking to? Because I'm curious, I'm curious because there's people in my mind. I'm thinking that would be, a, a, there's one person in particular, I think would be a good fit for for the, for what you're doing lay that on me i, I want to hear who you have lined up first okay so or who you who, or who you would want because they might this person might be you know one and the same because it it's a fairly well-known name well i've been taking a practical approach to it so what i've immediately been reaching out to is what's within my grasp okay so uh i'm also not the best at back-end organizing but so far, like my entire thing is a one person show. I have 13 episodes recorded in various form, like forms of editing. I'm trying to get a, a backlog going so I can ease a rollout out because one of the things I'm not good at is promotion for my podcast. The fittest fat kid is a really good podcast. It has not found its audience yet. Mm. And that's, 
despite the fact that I'm entertaining, that's despite the fact that I can have these deep conversations without getting morose and make it okay to have these conversations. But to get back to your question, already on my schedule, interviews that I have done that I've got to edit. First off, there's Mike. Second off, there's a guy, named, there's a podcaster named Lindsey Graham, not the Senator Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I was going to say, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know him. Like, he's, he's on my TV quite too often. <laughs> yes. Advocating for murder. But <laughs> even if the person being murdered kind of deserves it, that is not the point. We are not getting political today. But <laughs> the Lindsey Graham is not that Lindsey Graham. He's the Lindsey Graham of the American Scandal podcast several other podcasts he kind of launched when Wondery got its start last year. He did 130 million downloads. Wow. And I connected to him when he was doing a Reddit AMA and just aggressively, I asked him a question and I was immediately looking for an email address, emailed him throwing the advice he was giving on the AMA directly back at him. He uh, basically asking to trade mid rolls and he said, look, you're doing fitness. I'm doing history. So it doesn't match. It's like, okay. And he sent me a whole bunch of advice, which I really need to follow. <laughs> but then I was sit like the next day I was like, wait a minute, I've got this new podcast. I know he's not interested in trading mid rolls on the, on the fittest fat kid, but maybe he'd be interviewed for fails, falls and fuckers. And when I pitched that to him, the name grabbed him. So he's on the podcast. I'm hoping to get him together for episode two or three. There's a lot of technical issues with that pod, that recording that have to be solved that hurts my heart and my brain. Another person I'm interviewing is my neighbor, Stan Zimmerman, who produced Gilmore Girls, Golden Girls, was a writer on Roseanne, teaches a lot of people comedy. He, he, uh, he actually had a big, interesting controversy a couple years ago here because he did a, he's, he puts on plays to kind of keep himself sharp. And what he did is he did the diary of Anne Frank with an all Latino cast, but they didn't modify it in any way, shape or form. It was just, this was back with ice and okay. when ice was just ripping people off the streets. And so he did the diary of Anne Frank and all he did is change actors who would normally be played by white people to people being played by Latino people. And it got, Despite the fact, aside from the the normal, the the people who were uh, helping the family who turn up in the play, there's nobody else turned up. But room uh, right wing news outlets began spreading the rumor that he has the Nazis portrayed as ICE agents, and so a bunch of protests began springing up about it. A lot of things happened about it. And currently, Stan has a play, which are basically letters. He, a friend of his had committed suicide, and he does a play where people read these letters and sort of enact these suicide notes. Not enact the suicide note, but reason for suicide awareness. And that became another controversy where a college pulled the, the reading because they didn't want to encourage suicide, showing that this person heading this department had their head firmly up their ass and didn't understand what was going on. I'm interviewing Stan. I'm interviewing Stan. There's another uh, X Series XM radio host. Her name's Sharon Morton, and she has a show called Skin Deep. I'm interviewing her. 
I have several other musicians lined up. A woman named Ruth McCartney, who is Paul McCartney's sister, who was a singer dancer who became sort of like the digital diva who does a lot of um, media for various artists. Um, the guy who actually even gave me the idea of the concept for fails, falls and F ups, uh, Barry coughing. He's going to be on it. There's a dance, um, EDM pioneer who was very big in Europe. They used to tour, uh, festivals named Kirk Turnbull with the band QFX. He's on it. Uh, a gal, gal McGregor, who is a singer songwriter, Michelle Vice Maslin, who is an Emmy Award winning songwriter uh, and music producer. So I, I'm getting people like that. And I've got a couple other people who are just um, a little bit smaller that I don't think people would know. But but I've got like 13 of them and I want to find more. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to do that. Mm -hmm. But first, I want to get through this huge stack of editing I need yeah. to do. And that's a <laughs> lot of listening to me drone on, which I mean, you can tell that I do love the sound of my own voice, but it's a good voice, man. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> so the one person that I had in my mind, and that's, this is based off of the name of the podcast, but as you're naming the, you know, the people and kind of giving a quick synopsis of what they do, I'm not sure if the fit's still there, but I was thinking Brian Dunkelman. Well, kind of though. What he did is he sort of um, crashed his career by walking away from something that he didn't see the potential in. And while that's kind that's, you're not wrong. It's just, were there lessons that he took from that? Aside from, God, I screwed up. Some of these other, because some of these other people, it's like, you know, one of the stories Barry talks about is him not winning the Emmy for uh, How Do You Talk to an Angel? And this is kind of the last time he saw his mother was bringing his mother to the Emmys to so that she could watch her, her little boy lose. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like the idea just... The, the point of the point of it isn't to be like, here's a failure. He's a moron, which I don't necessarily know that Dunkelman is or not, but it's more of trying to get people to wrap their mind around a success is built off all of these failures. People risk things and skin their knee and make mistakes. And also things we see as a success from the outside aren't necessarily how the person who did it views it. And oh, I will yeah. use a, sm a very small example out of my own life. Dark Spectre 2. Again, if I haven't mentioned it enough, I am so proud of this. It is not the film I wanted it to be. There are things, so many things went wrong doing it. So many pieces didn't come into place. It's a success. I've won awards, a lot of awards with that film. But it wasn't, I did not manage to get out of my head the thing that lived there. I managed to get my, I managed to lose a whole bunch of money on visual effects before getting to the visual effects house that actually did the effects, including directly being scammed by some bastard whom played us and played us hard. I've like legitimately straight up, including setting up an office for us to 
meet him at, including making an office move to another office. And we gave that guy a couple thousand dollars and lost it. So Dark Spectre 2 is a series of mistakes, problems, and issues from where I sit. But it's a award-winning short film that set the stage for me trying to produce a TV series and a pilot and, and that, which then ran up against the pandemic, which sort of kiboshed that. So, you know, still, if you look at the film, you wouldn't go, yep, there's something that didn't go off as planned. I, you know, I think, yeah, and the more I think about it, I think I, I know more people who are, and I think a lot of it's just ourselves. We just tend to be a lot harder on ourselves than, than we, than other people are on us. You know, I can sit here and tell you all of my, you know, the fact that by the time I was 22, I had talked to some of the biggest, you know, A-list celebrities in the world, but somehow couldn't land a job in radio. And, you know, I was so Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, so I, you know, I beat myself up for years over the fact that I couldn't get a job in radio, but you know, Adam Levine and Blake Shelton and Ryan Seacrest and all these different people knew who I was. And, you know, if they saw me at an event would go out of their way to say hi to me and my friends would think I'm so successful, but I'm sitting here thinking if you only knew what was going on through my head, through mm-hmm. that journey, you wouldn't think that I was successful based off of my own thoughts, you know, and I'm not an award-winning interviewer by any stretch of the imagination you're an award-winning filmmaker you know so you have more merit to to your success um so i yeah i can i can see the awards they look beautiful and shiny uh <laughs> but so and i and they I, need dusting oh dude if you can see my my studio right now you'd say the same thing uh so it's interesting to, it's an interesting concept because I, I think like even with you know with with michael kroger of nickelback you know um a lot of people don't understand their success, you know, no. and I, I think that that's a great place to start because they also don't understand how hard those guys work at doing what they do. Yeah, they didn't they didn't chance into their success and their success came much later than people realize. And they were very, very poor for much longer than people might understand. Yeah. But a lot of what gets held against them is like a lot of what holds against them is it's a meme and it's fun to hate on them. And a lot of people who do hate on them don't know why they're hating on them. They Mm -hmm. don't care. Like, you know, it's a spectator sport. Absolutely. Hating, hating on Nickelback is a fun spectator sport. I'm taking advantage of it because in an attempt to try to kickstart what I'm doing, I'm going to call the episode Nickelback Sucks. I'm hoping that by doing that, it's going to spark people to either want to watch and argue and watch and defend or watch and whatnot. And hopefully out of that, they will then hear him and hear his perspective because I don't think a lot of people ever do yeah. and get the idea of 
you know, when they write songs, they're not, they're very mindful. They're very much into crafting what they need to do to deliver what they need to deliver. It is not just, uh, well, they lucked out. They didn't luck out. They suffered. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing too. And I, you know, I remember the one thing that I can credit around the time that that meme started, or at least the meme started becoming more familiar to me was when they walked off stage at a show and people were like, how dare they, how dare they leave their, their fans want, you know, in the middle of a show. But what people refused to realize is that people were throwing shit at them. They were throwing rocks and water bottles and, you know, I wouldn't stand out on stage with a bunch of people throwing rocks and water bottles at me. Like, and I definitely wouldn't want my equipment on stage when rocks are being thrown. Like I'm going to get the, you know, get the hell off the stage. Uh, and, and so I don't blame them, but you know, I, I remember this very clear as day. I was, I was at work one day and I was doing some writing and I'm like, you know what? I got about another hour left in this project. I'm going to look for something to, to play, to listen to. And I'm on YouTube and this one video kept popping up and it was, Nickelback live at the House of Blues. It was a Yahoo music thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just curious. And I, you know, I hit it and I found myself 30 minutes into that concert, rocking on, singing every word and realizing this band is so good. And people just don't appreciate the artistry of it. And hey, you know what? Music isn't for everybody. Everyone's music isn't for everybody. But if you stopped and listened to it, you'd realize they don't suck. They're actually quite good. <laughs> What's what's funny is um, a year and a half ago, something like that, they released a cover they did of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I hated the cover, and, yeah. I have to admit, I loved that because around when I was like 11 years old, around campfires, they would play a, a version of that that was like a folky version. So that they did that just warmed, absolutely warmed my heart. And um, I, again... I, for myself, I was aware of them. I heard some of their songs, but I wasn't that into music at the time. There were other things occupying my space. So their songs kind of came and went out of my head. I thought nothing more or nothing less of those songs than I did any other song I heard in that period of time. So when it became Nickelback Sucks, it was sort of like, okay, sure. I don't get what's going on here. And then I'm, you know, then I met Mike and now it's like now in a very weird way, my relationship to the idea of Nickelback and Nickelback's music is this is my buddy's band. This is what my buddy's doing. You know, I'm going to buy a copy of this thing because it's my buddy and I'm supporting my buddy, my 500, you know, 50 million, 500 million record selling buddy i'm going to buy one copy of this record to be supportive and and then i'm also going to tell him to watch the venture brothers because i thought that would be up his alley but that's not the point the thing is i relate to him as somebody whom is my friend and i want him to succeed in the way i want all of my friends to succeed and he's one of the most successful people i know and yet that's still how i approach him and i find it incredibly unfair which was really the reason I wanted to do this interview with him because I wanted to give him the opportunity to 
be asked the questions by somebody who's going to ask them in the right way. Yes. Partially by making them funny. So when I'm asking him, you know, about Nickelback sucking, I'm asking him about Nickelback sucking. But of course, I don't mean like, so your band sucks. Why does your band, why are you such a terrible musician? No, I'm asking, why is the narrative your band sucks? How did that start? Can you pinpoint it to a release, a song? Can, you know, how does it make your kids feel? Because, you know, he has kids that went to school. Yeah. And kids are not nice. Yep. So Yeah, I I, I know that. I've I've heard stories of, of other people in entertainment who either play bad people on TV or have a reputation of of not being the most favorable person in the world and their kids excuse me they they take a a toll on on their life you know because they happen to be the child of somebody who is perceived as one way because of either he's paid to be a bad guy or people think that they aren't the best or whatever and it's not like i don't understand i honestly don't understand kids sometimes but you know uh that's a conversation for a different different day Right. Well, that's the same thing for adults. And I think part of the mm-hmm. problem is in, in, in most aspects of life, when somebody's working, their work is effectively disconnected from how somebody perceives them as a person. Yes. So unlike other things, what I've said about music before, and this may sound pretentious, so I'm going to make sure my pinky's out. I'm going to make picture. There it is. But music is effectively painting with emotions. And so most songs that you give two shits about are connect, somehow speak to you and touch you and connect to your emotions. Yes. And what that does is that creates a sense of, I know this person, I've connected to this person. They've made me feel something. They are somehow a part of my life. And that's a wonderful feeling to have, but it's also a false feeling. Mm-hmm. We don't know who these people are. My, I don't know why this was the case. I don't know exactly how it happened because I didn't listen to them when they were like active and working. Just years later, when I began getting into music, I got into Black Sabbath so much so that I took up the bass because of Geezer Butler. So that's a man who had a lot of influence on me. I have no personal connection to him. And I've always been aware of that, but other people who have somebody affect them like that might perceive that kind of connection. It gets worse for actors because the job of an actor is you're presenting a life in front of a screen for whatever period of time that is. And it gives you the impression, you know, how this person is, Mm -hmm. but this person is doing a job. They've been given a script and in the script are things to say and effectively a roadmap of emotions to feel. And we tell a story and then the story ends, but you feel like, you know, that person and you don't in no way, shape or form. We are, we are not what we portray in front of the screen. We are who we are. And then we do a job Mm -hmm. and that job. And sometimes we're closer to those further from them, but it, a good actor will enable you to emotionally connect to what they're going through. And by doing so, it makes you feel like you know them. So it's kind of specific to that. So, and then it 
gives you, it makes people feel like they have more access to you or whoever else than they really should feel that they have. Oh yeah, and and then then you know there's always the one you know one fan who crosses that line and thinks they actually have something or they have a right to something and it, it becomes dangerous. I, I've I, you know I, I lost a, a friend of mine about ten years ago over that you know who a fan thought that they were in a relationship and thought that they would be able to just walk up to this person and act like they were friends or lovers or whatever. And when they found out that this person was in a relationship with somebody else, shot him dead, you know? So, but that's a whole different conversation. Uh, you know, but you know, there are people out there who, you know, when, when artists do a great job that they feel they're, they're entitled to the, this person's time, energy, and get delusional enough to the point where they actually think they have some sort of, relationship with them it's it's a scary thought yeah and actually you can even you can even scale it down to any kind of celebrity like one of the things that because i'm trying to i suck at marketing i am not good at it i am not good at social media you would think that i should be okay with it i should somehow be able to do something with it but i can't but in trying to do so i'm watching and engaging other people and so somebody goes on specifically with TikTok. somebody will go on and they will make a post and they will say something and then the responses will start coming in and they will start to get much more personal than they should be. And part of it is people are pricks, but also, but other parts of it is that people think from this small slice of their life, this one 30 second to one minute statement about something that they have an insight into this person's psyche just because they're a public figure and by putting out publicly, it makes people feel that they know you better and are entitled to be that much closer into your life. Even if what they're doing is objecting to anything you say or to you as a person on a whole. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because I, I did that to somebody recently uh, on TikTok where they posted, it was, it was around Valentine's day where she was talking about how, you know, her girlfriend really her and her girlfriend really aren't into like gifts. They're into experiences and, and homemade stuff. So she's making her girlfriend a homemade cheesecake. And, you know, I watched this whole video and at the end of the video, she cuts up a slice of cheesecake and I'm thinking to myself, Oh, it's so sweet. She's going to cut up a slice of cheesecake, take it to her girlfriend. And you were going to see her girlfriend try the cheese. Nope. She bit into the cheesecake herself. And I just, I just typed out just jokingly was like, here's a cheesecake I made for you. I took the first slice, you know? And I, I thought it was funny, you know? And so many right. people were like, what a, what a fucked up thing to say. Like, you don't know their relationship, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there, I mean, like, I hope she, I hope the creator knows that I was joking, you know? And then she made a cheeky response and everything's good. But people got so defensive and got so upset over the fact that I jokingly criticized her for having the first slice of cheesecake. And I'm just like, I would hope that the pastry chef would have the first slice to make sure it's good, you know? <laughs> If you're a good pastry chef, you don't need to have the first slice to true. know that it's good. True. That is true. Well, I'm I'm super excited for, for your podcast. I was actually just listening to uh, the one that you sent me earlier. Uh, sounds sounds really intriguing. I'm, I'm actually, after talking to you and listening to your podcast a little bit, I'm a fan of yours. Uh, so well, you, have, you. you have my support uh, on the launch of the new podcast. Um, awesome. Thank you. Do me a favor. Tell people where they can find you on social media, even if you never post anything. <laughs> I try i'm trying to one of it's one of those funny things i'm trying to discover my voice yeah because 
it's it's one of those weird things. I'm not sure quite how to present myself necessarily. I've discovered that I'm not good at following the trends because that does not fit me. That's not who I am. It just, it just isn't. But if you want to find me social media wise, I'm at fittest fat kid at most places, though I'm beginning to switch some of those over just to my name, Bruce Naxon. Uh, Cause I'm going to be doing too many things and it just makes it more centralized. But at, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, there's the Fittest Fat Kids page. You can find me on Facebook at Bruce Naxon. On Instagram, I've got three of them. There's Big Guy Small Dog, which is kind of my catch-all. It's got my films. It's got my dogs. It's got some of my fitness stuff. It's got my model building things when I was doing that when I had time before podcasts, and now I don't have time to do it anymore. It's just got life. Then there's my dog Instagram, which is Mikey agent of chaos, chaos spelled with a K. And that is my awesome, awesome dog who is both, he was my mother's dog when she passed away. And then because I must, he must stay in the family. I took him. So he's my brother, son dog. And, uh, you don't get much more Southern than that. And, uh, but he's the cutest little bastard in the world. I actually sent you a little video that I of of him on me, um, so you you you've, you you'll be able to see him just by going to the Dropbox link I sent you. Awesome. And th- and then there's the fittest fat kid where I'm where I do some detailing. I do have to get better at social media, but I do love to interact and I respond to people and I talk to people. As f- also, um, while we're letting people know how to get to me, if you are out there and you've had fitness issues and you don't know who to talk to, you can contact me. You can talk to me. I don't necessarily know that I will have the right answer for you, but I certainly can help you frame up your questions a little better. And you can do that by going to my website for the fittest fat kid, which is www.fittestfatkid.com. Or you can just send me an email at hi there at fittestfatkid.com. I love that. I, I, I firmly believe in trying to make things as memorable for people as possible. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think Switchfoot's email is something similar to that, where it's like, hello at switchfoot.com or something like that. So uh, it, I love when, when people do that instead of just info at, you know, mywebsite.com. So I love that. Um, stay tuned for, uh, what is it? F- uh, fails, falls, and fuck ups. Uh, I'm looking yep. forward to it. I'm looking forward to at least episode. I said the F word. Oh my gosh. Uh I, I'm really looking forward to that episode, and, and I'm sure the rest of them will be amazing as well. Uh, Bruce, April first. April. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, this yeah. this podcast will come out the, just the following week after that. So yeah, um, so it's so out now. by this time you'll be able to jump right off this. Like, Ruben doesn't even need to finish. You can just like go right now and just like click it. No, and but, there but, it is. But, but and finish, you're going to see him. Finish finish the rest of the podcast because there's one more ad coming up in just a second. Oh and- God, you have to listen to the ad. But more importantly, don't just listen to the ad. Make sure I have no idea what it is. But Neither whether do I. it's whether it's for keeps and you might need it, whether it's for Manscape and you might need that, whether it's for NordVPN just to keep you safe in case you're in a war zone, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Make sure you use the promo code at whatever the hell it is, at wherever you're going, because Ruben needs your support. Ruben needs your money. And I want him to have that from you. Not from me, but from you. Yeah, he won't give me any of his Please. money. But here, let me let me just let me also throw this here real quick. 
uh, if you if you want a tip, <laughs> here's here's all the ways you can let do. Let me take the let me take the opportunity as the man is widely plugging me to throw up my plugs. Yes, <laughs> I shall do that. Uh, oh man, uh, I, I love I love this conversation, Bruce. I hope I hope you and I are able to connect again here in the near future. Uh, as we transition, I think what we've done is we've established that there is a bond that you really are my friend. And, and if I if I could just take the moment to say so, I love you. Not in that way. This just got really you. awkward. It just did. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know how to break it to you. <laughs> uh, go and support Bruce. Uh, I, all his information will be down in the, uh, the description of this podcast. Uh, Bruce, as I transition into... The uh, the commercial that's about to play, I have no idea what it's going to be. Somebody magically just puts a commercial in there. Usually it's for a grocery store. Uh, oh, please is... be Magic Spoon. Please be Magic Spoon. <laughs> if I get one sponsor, I want it to be Magic Spoon. And if I don't have it, I want you to have Magic Spoon. Please be Magic Spoon. Can I tell you, if, if you get Magic Spoon as a sponsor in the next, say, six months, I'm going to take full credit for it. And I'm more than happy to give you the credit. <laughs> uh, do me a favor. Stick around for just one second. Um, not the listeners, you, Bruce. Uh, the listeners. Sure, why not? Uh, listen to this commercial. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 